0: Good afternoon, everyone. Great to be with you. And who would have thought that that guy running around the bases there would be a Catholic priest one day? <laughs> Not I. A little background to right, first of all, how many people were there that day? Got a, got a few hands. Most people when I come back to Mississippi will say I knew where I was when that moment happened. Some people say they almost drove off the road as they were listening to it in the car. But I got into the zone, they call it. For an athlete, being in the zone means everything just slows down. And so in this tournament, uh, we played University of Illinois the first game, my home state, and I went four for five and we won the game. Then we played Brigham Young the next night and I went two for three and we won the game. This game I was six for six, and then the next time up, I got a, a hit in the, the next game. So at one point in this tournament, I was 13 for 15. I hadn't done that even in Little League, but here I was doing it in major uh, college baseball. And I remember right before I hit that grand slam, I would, the count was three and one. And I was thinking, take the next pitch, because if you walk, the game is tied. And then I said, that's crazy. The ball looks like it's in slow motion, so if he throws a strike, swing it. It was one of those where when I swung, I, I didn't even feel it. It just jumped off the, off the bat. I hit very few home runs. The ones I usually hit would just go right over the fence, but this is the only one that I ever hit that I knew as soon as I hit it, it was gone. We went to the College World Series the next week, and I was terrible. <laughs> I was like one for 12, made three errors, and I look back on my life as a baseball player and it was like riding this wild roller coaster you know and and sometimes we base our identity on what we do in life whether it's being a baseball player or whatever our jobs are in the world if i ask men who are you what do most men answer they go to their job right and if i ask women who are you what do you normally say talk about our children and grandchildren we talk about relationships and women have it, they're much closer to the mark. I did a parish mission uh, a couple months ago, and I did one here a few years ago, and I remember we did a QA and a at the end of the mission, and someone asked me, said, Father Burke, what's the most important lesson you've learned in life? I'd never been asked that question before, and so the first thing that came to mind was, when I learned that I was a child of God, it changed everything, because I didn't believe it. I'd, I'd heard it so many times, but I thought, Everybody else can be a child of God, but not me. And the more I heard it in high school and then at State, the more it sunk in that that is my true identity. And I learned this kind of acronym, R-I-M, and I share it with you because it's been the most important lesson I've learned in life. Relationship, identity, mission, in that order. So often we do it backwards, especially men. We start with our mission. We get our identity from our mission. And then if we have time we fit in a relationship with jesus christ but we need to turn that around and say i need to begin with a relationship with christ and from that i that uh, relationship i get my identity and all of us every single person in this world is a child of god a beloved daughter or son of god and then from that identity then god sends us on a mission to share what we've learned with other people and that's why we're here today to to honor and, and to support Catholic Charities because the mission of Catholic Charities is to help every person live as a dignified son or daughter of God. No matter race, religion, ethnicity, whatever it is, we're here to serve. You heard some of my story in the introduction, you know, after baseball I became an actuary. People say, how does an actuary become a Catholic priest? And then I wanted to become general manager of the Cubs or White Sox one day. And while I was working in minor league baseball, my girlfriend introduced me to what we call in the Catholic Church Eucharistic Adoration. It's this silent prayer in front of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And I remember I was afraid of silence because in in the silence, who do we encounter? God and ourselves. (laughs) Have you ever run from yourself? I spent the first 30 years of my life staying busy so I never had to face God or myself. And it was my girlfriend at the time who introduced me to God and to myself. And I tell her now, I said, that was your fatal flaw because it was in that silence that I heard this call from God. It truly was a calling because I didn't seek out the priesthood. God sought me. And so I went to seminary fully thinking I'd get God off my back and I'd go back to Stephanie, my girlfriend. but as you can see what happened. Stephanie ended up marrying my best friend, Matt. Uh, It was the second wedding I celebrated as a priest, and I baptized all three of their little girls, and we remain great friends to this day. And I learned that we find joy in life not by doing what we want to do, but it's by following the will of God because he loves us. I don't know if you've heard the word kerygma. Kerygma in Greek means like the proclamation of the good news. You know, and I like to shorten the gospel to three things good news bad news better news what's the good news jesus christ loves you and he's got a wonderful plan for your life what's the bad news we're sinners says in romans we've all fallen short of the glory of god and because of our sin we've separated ourselves from god and we can't save ourselves at least the last time i checked we couldn't right can anybody here save themselves no but the better news is that jesus christ died for us, and he bridged the gap between us and God. And when I started to hear that news, I remember as a high school student and then here at Mississippi State, I thought, if we have a God that loves us that much to die on the cross for us, I'm all in. I had no idea what that all in would mean, but I've never been happier in my life. And so I was ordained a priest in 2002, and the first assignment that I got was at St. Mary's Parish in West Chicago. Now West Chicago is about 85% Spanish-speaking and Bishop mistakenly thought I was bilingual. (laughs) I could read Spanish but I couldn't speak it. And so I remember hearing confessions, not understanding what they were saying. I'd give them one Ave Maria for penance and they went away really happy, you know. (laughs) I was reading homilies in Spanish, people were falling asleep, it was was terrible. Because I was still getting my identity from my mission, I thought, I'm failing in my mission, so I'm not a good priest. But I had to go back to that relationship with Christ and to know that I am God's beloved son. And for some reason, he's got me here. Jesus and Linda, a couple from the parish, kind of adopted me, helped me with the Spanish. And thanks be to God, four years later, I left there fully bilingual, and it's really changed my life. I go on mission trips to uh, Mexico and to Guatemala uh, about twice a year because of the language that I picked up. Then I worked for 12 years in vocations, helping young men and women find their call in life. And then just in August, I became the adult faith formation director for our diocese. And it's been a wonderful thing to help people grow in. My mission is to help people become missionary disciples of Jesus Christ. I think many of us are good at being disciples which is what, a follower, a learner, a student of Jesus, but are we missionaries? Now, when, when you hear missionary, you might think, well, that means I have to go to Africa or the Philippines or, or to some foreign land to do mission work. Where's your first mission? It's right in your own home, and then in your workplace, and you know, the circles then expand. We're all called to be missionary disciples of Christ. My first year in seminary, many of you have heard the story, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, we were battling you know, cancer with aggressive chemotherapy. And one night, we were watching the Major League Baseball All-Star Game on television at home. It was mom and dad and I. And during the game, she began to cough. And we quickly realized this wasn't good, because she began coughing up blood. And so I started doing CPR on my mom, and my dad called 911. And my mother died in my arms within about 10 minutes. And my mother and I, you know, I'm the baby of the family, we were, you know, so close. And I remember when the paramedics arrived, I took a step back, and it was just a surreal moment. I looked out the picture window, and I saw my mom's car in the driveway. And I saw her purse on the kitchen counter. She's only 57 years old. Now I realize how young that is, being 52 myself. And I thought, as my mother comes face to face with God, God's not asking her. What kind of car did you drive or how much money did you make? The Kind of the things that we focus so much of our time and energy on. It was like my whole life flashed before my eyes. And I realized when they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He didn't say, get that car and that house, did he? He said, love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, and soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. He summarized the Ten Commandments with really one word, love. And St. Thomas Aquinas says, love is willing the good of the other person. And I saw how daily my mother and my father laid down their lives so that me and my brothers could have a better life. And so uh, I kind of went through a faith crisis, but obviously God showed me that there is life after death. That this time of Easter, of the resurrection, is what brings us great joy. Our family was tested again just this last year. So my father uh, remarried a couple years after my mom died. They both uh, joined the Catholic Church, much to my surprise, about seven years ago. And uh, it was so beautiful being able to worship together uh, on Sundays. About two years ago, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And so he was going through the same process of chemotherapy and everything, and he actually beat it, and then it came back. And then he was beating it again, uh, but just in November of last year, he, he was con- uh, contracted a virus. And on top of chemotherapy, he had no defense to fight the virus and quickly went downhill. December 10th, he went into uh, hospice. So this was within 18 days. And I, and I didn't have any one-on-one time with my dad because, fortunately, we have so many friends. And the hospital and hospice were just we were bombarded with uh, people supporting us, which was amazing. But the night of December 13th, I had the opportunity, as everybody left, to have about 15 minutes of one-on-one time with my dad. And I I seized the opportunity. I went to my dad's bedside, and he couldn't speak at this time, but could barely move his head. And I grabbed his hand, and I said, Dad, I want you to know how much I love you. And if I had to choose my dad all over again, I would choose you. He had a little tear come out of his eye, and he, he squeezed my hand. And I thought, this is what life is about. It's about sharing God's love with all the people around us. He died the next morning. I didn't know it was that close, but what a a gift it was for me to be able to tell him that and to have no regrets when he left. Life is living with no regrets. To say, I did everything I could with all that God has given me. I've been a priest now 17 years. And my favorite scripture is John 15, 13. There's no greater love than what? To lay down your life for a friend. I was talking with Deandre uh, before uh, we came in here. And and she said, you know, having been been a veteran, she was a little down on her lugs and things were not going right. And she called Catholic Charities. And Shimon uh, was, was there for her and supported her through this journey. And she said, you know, without Catholic Charities and Shimona, I'm not sure where I would be. And there's story after story, like DeAndre. Uh, De- am I say that right? Deandre? Um, uh, Of people who've been supported by Catholic Charities along this way. During my mother's death that night, God's words echoed in my ears. Love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, R.I.M., if we have a relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he tells us who we are, that we are his beloved children, and not just us, but everybody. I remember I was giving a talk in an eighth-grade classroom uh, several years ago, talking on vocations, and out of the mouth of babes, this 13-year-old girl says, Father, how do you see the world differently as a priest? Never been asked that question before either. And so I had to think quickly, and I thought, you know what, I see everybody as my brother or sister. But that shouldn't just be priests, that should be every single one of us. If we are all children of God, that makes us all brothers and sisters in Christ, and it should change the way we view one another. I remember my spiritual director uh, asking me to to pray and, and say, God, help me to see others like you see them. Help me to love others like you love them. And he puts like new glasses on our eyes to be able to see everybody with his eyes. Catholic Charities has the mission of serving the less fortunate in, the, well, all over the world, but we're here for the Diocese of Jackson and here in northern Mississippi. Again, Catholic or non Catholic. And Jesus says, Whatever you do for the least of my brothers and sisters, you do for whom? You do for me. And I believe that. I think that was one of the gifts that Mother Teresa brought to the world is her ability to see Christ in every single person and to see Christ in the people that nobody else wanted to care for. Can you imagine if we all prayed that prayer? Lord, help me to see others like you see them. God sends us on a mission as his beloved sons and daughters. And so in a minute, We're going to have someone else come up to to ask. But I want to encourage you to be really generous today. And if you can't do it today, down the line when you have the opportunity, pay it forward how you've been blessed. God has given us so much, every single one of us, time, talent, and treasure. And I know what I've learned in my own life is the more that I give away what God has given me, what happens? He gives me more to give away. It's the story of the talents in scripture, right? The ones who invested, if you will, the the ones who used the gifts and talents God had given them and multiplied them, he gave them more. And the ones who didn't use them, what did he do? I'm going to take it away and give it to somebody who will use it. And I'm convinced, it doesn't seem fair, but God, uh, God does what he wants with the gifts and talents he's given us. And I guarantee you, if you're generous, He's going to bless you. And I don't want you to do it so God will bless you. <laughs> I want you to do it so you can help other people and be that conduit, that instrument of God's generosity, if you will. Uh, after we finish here today, I'm going to be out. Uh, you know, we've got some CDs that has my, my life story in there. I'll be happy to sign those, take pictures, wh- whatever you'd like. I'd also like to encourage you to uh, join a blog that I have. I know some people signed up here after I did the mission. I do a little scripture reflection every day of the year. Try to do it 365 days a year. Try to make scripture come alive for us today. And it's an easy uh, uh, address. It's FR Burke, for Father Burke, F-R Burke, B-U-R-K-E, 23. That's my baseball number dot uh, wordpress.com so frburke23.wordpress.com what i'll try to do maybe is to send father something that we could put in the bulletin if people want to sign up but i know you want to hear something about the cubs and so i'll finish i'll finish <laughs> i'll finish with the cubs i, I know i've met a couple of cub fans how many cub fans do we have here so uh I want to clarify something too, you came up and saw those blue and red balloons out there, that was not for Ole Miss. Uh, <laughs> they, they said they were Cub colors, so uh, I think there was, there was some, a little bit of Ole Miss influence in there. <laughs> but what do I do with the Cubs? And so I have to share this story. When I was about seven years old, I shared it last night, I went to a Cubs-Phillies game with my brothers and my mom, and my mom was a huge baseball fan as well. And I remember that day, it was my first Major League Baseball game, and I thought, one day I'm gonna be on that field. And I never lost sight of that dream. That's one of the reasons why I came to Mississippi State, because I thought it would be the best way for me to get to the next level. Obviously, it didn't turn out the way I had planned. And so, 2013, I got a call from a group called the Catholic Athletes for Christ that's in charge of getting a Catholic priest in every Major League team. And they'd heard that I played baseball, and, and the Cubs needed a chaplain. Now, you have to understand this. My parents grew up outside of St. Louis, diehard Cardinal fans. <laughs> um, and so I say, I was born and bred to not like the Cubs in my household. So I, I grew up a Phillies fan, actually, from that day as a seven year old going to that Cubs Phillies game. So I got the call to become the Cubs chaplain, and I thought, Obviously I can't pass up this opportunity. My poor mother was probably rolling over in her grave that I became the Cubs chaplain. And so what does it mean? I go down to Wrigley Field on Sunday home games to celebrate mass for the Cubs, the visiting team, and any employees that want to come to mass. And it's so beautiful. Uh, We have mass in section 209 right in the stadium. So we have the cathedral of Wrigley Field behind me. And there might be a $10 million ball player sitting in the front row next to somebody who sells popcorn at the game, makes $10 an hour. And it's really beautiful because in God's eyes, is there any difference? The, uh, and this, this pun is intended, the playing field is level. And it really makes it clear to me that God doesn't care how much money we make, God doesn't care about how lofty our job titles are. What God cares about is here in our hearts, that we understand how beloved we are in his eyes. After Mass, then I go down into the locker room and just make myself available to the guys. I do a short Bible study. And Joe Madden, who's a a Catholic man, the the manager of the Cubs, he says, Father Burke, your presence here changes the environment. And I see that. I walk around the the corner into the locker room and uh, conversations change immediately. (laughs) Having grown up in locker rooms, I understand uh, that language. So I'm a volunteer, but I go down a couple times a month. And so 2016, obviously, was a special year. We we all thought it was coming close. So I went down to spring training just for a few days, and I run into Joe Madden, and he says, Father Burke, do you want to practice with the team tomorrow? I said, are you kidding me? So the next day, I'm in full uniform with the Cubs. Uh, Miguel Montero, one of the catchers for the Cubs, had become a friend, and he said, just follow me, Father Burke. So we went to one of, the, one of the, you know, they have different fields down in spring training. And I get to the field with Miguel, and there's Rizzo, Bryant, Russell. It was a whole starting lineup of the Cubs and me on this field. And they're looking at me like, who's the new guy over there, you know? <laughs> they didn't recognize me in a baseball uniform. And uh, eventually they, they figured out who it was, and it was just a beautiful thing. batting practice starts, and I go in the outfield. And I'm talking with Kyle Hendricks, one of the pitchers for the Cubs. And as we're talking, these tears start to roll down my face. And my first thought was, there's no crying in baseball. (laughs) That line from a league of their own, the the women's baseball. But my next thought was, God, you're amazing. It was like God was saying, this was your dream. Remember as a seven-year-old, you said you are going to be on Wrigley Field. And now you're in their spring training complex and you're on the field. But you're doing it following my dream as a priest. Unbelievable. Fast forward to uh, the World Series that year. You know, I don't travel with the team. My full-time job's in the diocese. And so the Cubs are down three games to two. They go to Cleveland. And uh, I'm, I'm going back to my regular work. And my secretary calls and says, Father Burke, ESPN wants to interview you tonight at the Cubby Bear behind Wrigley Field. And I'm thinking it's one of my old teammates pulling my leg, you know? So I call them, I'm very skeptical, and and it really was ESPN, so they said, you know, if you can meet us tonight at five at the Cubby Bear, uh, we'd love to interview you. So I go down there, we get ready, we get mic'd up for the interview, and I didn't know what they wanted to talk about, but right before we went on air, the um, interviewer was talking to his producer on his earbud, and he starts to laugh, and he says, Father Burke, they wanna know if you'll give the Cubs a blessing to counter the curse of the goat. <laughs> Ten, nine, eight. <laughs> I had no time to prepare, and so I thought, well, I'm not going to make fun of a blessing. So I just gave him a real blessing. I didn't pray that they'd win, because I don't think God cares who wins. But I just prayed that they play to the best of their ability, nobody would get hurt, and may the best team win. And I believe the Cubs had the best team. <laughs> so uh, so we, we finished, and he says, now if they win, will you come back tomorrow? And I said, sure. So of course, they win game six. I go down for game seven, repeat the same process. And so the interviewee says, so now, because you prayed, they won. I'm not saying because you prayed, they won, but you prayed and they won. So let's do this again, he said. (laughs) So we prayed and uh, on my way home, I didn't stay in Wrigleyville because there, there were millions of people and I don't like huge crowds like that. So I watched the game at home. I'm driving home and my brother calls from Denver and he says, I heard the interview, Burke, and uh, either you're going to be a hero or you're going to be the new goat of the Chicago Cubs. (laughs) (laughs) So thankfully, they won the World Series, and uh, maybe it's hard to imagine if you're not a Cub fan or from Chicago, but it was 108 years, so generations had gone by since they'd won grown men crying in the streets, uh, grown men watching or listening to the game by their father's tombstone, their fathers who had lived 90 years and had never seen a Cubs victory. It was uh, just off the charts. And one of the most common questions I get is, uh, Father Burke, did you get a ring? So I got a ring you know, for playing in the College World Series and I didn't bring it here, but I didn't get a ring either (laughs) from the Cubs. The seminarians got me a $15 ring on, online that you can get. <laughs> and I always bring that when I go speak to kids, because they want to know, did you get a ring? And I, and I bring the ring out, and it looks beautiful from afar, like you'd think it's real, but it's not. And I say, you know, I got a ring for playing in the College World Series, and it's sitting in a drawer at home collecting dust. I never wear it. You know, I'm not going to celebrate mass with a big rock on my finger. I said, would it be cool to get a Cubs championship ring? Of course it would. But eventually, it would end up in the same drawer collecting dust. I said, what I want is available to every single one of us. And it's called the crown of eternal glory. It never collects dust, and nobody can take it away from us. It's this gift that God has for every single one of us. We're all in our our spiritual spring training, I call it. And God wants us all to be in his hall of fame. God's created a room for all of us in the mansion called Heaven, our Hall of Fame, if you will. And we all have a part in that. Not only are we on to try to be the best Christians we can be, but there's so many people around us in need. Whatever you did for the least of my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Just ask you to be generous, as generous as you can. Give away what God has given you, and watch what he does with it. One of my good friends says, we cannot do God in generosity, but I dare you to try. Thanks and God bless.